So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. And this is the 27th of November. It's the first Sunday in Advent. Joining me to present the programme again today. And, of course, I must wish him a Happy New Year. Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. <laughs> good morning, John. And before listeners decide to pick up the, the phone and <laughs> ring for the men in the white coats, John hasn't lost a run of himself yes. uh, by wishing me a Happy New Year today. Because, of course, today, as the first Sunday of Advent, is the first uh, is the start of the new liturgical year in the church's calendar. A very important time of the year. And Shane might be able to help us to maybe reflect a little bit about that in part two. But in the meantime... We also want to welcome, especially, as usual, our listeners who are housebound. And I know there's a few of them out there. There's a few of them who maybe can't get out to Mass, maybe can't listen to a harmony, maybe just can't join in and chat with somebody else. Um, But they can listen to us, maybe in different parts of the world. Uh, Those who are lonely and struggling in some way. But especially those listeners who support us each week in prayer. And thank you so much for that, because without that, guys, we can't go anywhere. Our weekly podcast uh, will include, as usual, um, some inspirational music. We'll reflect on the Sunday Gospel. And as I said, Shane might give us a few pointers for uh, reflection uh, as we enter this season of Advent, the first Sunday in Advent. All of our podcasts uh, can be heard at come and see inspirations.budspread.com. Just Google come and see inspirations, you'll find us there. Also on our blog, historically, sacredspace102.blogspot.com. That's sacredspace102.blogspot.com. We're also available to be heard on Spotify, iTunes, and of course, we do have presence on Facebook. Come and see Inspirations. You can contact us. Please do so by texting on 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. International 003587. Six zero eight eight six six seven, or email come and see inspirations at gmail.com now at the start of this new liturgical year Shane Saints for the week have we got any thanks John so as John said at the top of the program today is the first Sunday of Advent so it's the beginning of a new liturgical year so we're in what's called cycle A so we have we operate what's called a three year cycle uh, A, B and C in the church's calendar year so what it does is we cycle through or we go through we read through the three main synoptic Gospels. It's Matthew, Mark and Luke. And then John is brought out for special occasions. So this year we are going to be accompanying the Gospel of St. Matthew for the year ahead. Uh, So that's cycle A. So for those of us praying the Psalter, as it is week one, as it is the first Sunday of Advent, it is week one in the Psalter. And of course, it is proper for the season in terms of the prayers and so on and so forth that are to be said. Monday, the 28th of November is the feast day of St. Catherine Labore. Catherine is often a forgotten saint to a certain extent, but she's an important one in in terms of traditional devotion because she is the seer of the Miraculous Medal. Associated very much uh, she, uh, with Rue de Bac because she was buried at the convent of Rue de Bac and she is still there. Catherine is one of our incorruptibles. She ha- Her body hasn't decomposed, a bit like St. Bernadette in Nevers. And Catherine was, um, she was the ninth of 11 children and never learned to read or write. And when her mother, her mother died when she was eight and her older sister joined the Sisters of Charity. So she, Catherine had to end up looking after the house. Um, she worked in Paris for a while and then she uh, basically eventually managed to join the order of the Sisters of Charity and took the name Catherine. Originally she was Zoe. 
And then on the 18th of July, 1830, she had a vision of Our Lady who described to her a medal which she wished struck. On one side was the image of Our Lady and the words, O Mary, conceive without saying, pray for us who have recourse to thee. And on the other side are the hearts of Jesus and Mary. And Our Lady told Catherine that wearers of the medal would receive great graces and it's become known as the Miraculous Medal. So Catherine then, she died on the 31st of December 1876 and she was entombed in the convent chapel. And she was canonised by Pope Pius XII in 1947. So she's only recently enough canonised. Then uh, Tuesday the 29th is the feast day on the Irish calendar of St. Brendan of Burr. Um, friend and brother monk with St. Brendan the Navigator at Clonard. Uh, he was a student of St. Finian. He founded the monastery of Burr in County Offaly and served as its abbot. And he was an advisor to St. Columba. So this guy kind of knew all the movers and shakers at the time. Uh, he died around 573 at Burr in County Offaly of natural causes by tradition. On Wednesday the 30th, we have the feast day of St. Andrew the Apostle. And it is an important day because it is the patronal feast day of the Ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew, or the Ecumenical Patriarchature in Istanbul, which currently the Patriarch Bartholomew. So traditionally, um, on the 29th of June... Is it 29? Yes, the 29th of June, which yeah. is the feast day of St. Peter and St. Mm. Paul. A delegation comes from Istanbul or Constantinople to visit Rome and to congratulate them on their feast day. And in return, on the 30th of November, a delegation travels from Rome to Constantinople, Istanbul, to celebrate with the Ecumenical Patriarch on their particular feast day. St. Andrew was from Bethsaida, was a disciple of John the Baptist. And he is the man who brought Peter to Jesus, in this, as per the Gospels. And he is said to have suffered martyrdom by crucifixion, uh, but very much, you know, and it's Andrew's cross is Andrew's cross that he was crucified and it's supposed to be the, the sideways cross. It's the X cross. You see it in the flag of Scotland, mm. um, the Saltaire. Uh, he's the patron of Scotland, uh, Russia and of fishermen. Then on Thursday, the 1st of December, we have the feast day of St. Eligeus of Nyon. I think is how you pronounce the man's name. He is a French, yes, he's a French saint. Yeah, with a name like that, yeah. And he is the patron saint of metal workers and craftsmen and women and smiths because that's what he did um, for for uh, for his for his livelihood. He was an apprentice to a master at the Mint in Limoges in France. He was a treasurer, master of the Mint under King Clotale II in Paris close friend of his queen, blah, blah, blah. This guy, well, this guy was so well-connected. You know, he, he mm. founded a monastery, set up a convent. Eventually, in 640 AD, he was, in, was ordained the Bishop of Noyon in France and of Tourney in Belgium in 641. So he's obviously covering two dioceses. Uh, preached in Antwerp, uh, generally converted by the, many by the, to the faith by his example of charity and work for the poor and the sick, encouraged devotion to the saints, and is said to, you know, he's generally an all-round good guy that, you know, was eventually canonised. And he died in 1660 in France of a high fever, is how it was described. Then on Friday, the 2nd of December, we have the feast day of St. Chromatius of Aquileia, uh, the, who was who died in 407. He's an Italian saint. He was raised by his mother. His dad died when he was four. He was ordained in 387. And he was very much involved in the battle against Arianism in the early church. And uh, he was a friend of Ambrose, St. Ambrose of Milan, a friend of St. Jerome, 
who dedicated several works to him, very much influential in the translation of early Christian works into Latin. And he is said to have financed St. Jerome's translation of the Bible, which is kind of an important one because Jerome's translation of the Bible was the standard translation of scripture in the Catholic Church for a thousand years. Um, so just an interesting one. He died, as I said, in 407 AD. And then on Saturday, we have the feast day of St. Francis Saviour, a Jesuit saint, one of the first seven Jesuits with St. Ignatius of Loyola, who set up the Jesuits. Uh, he was sent to India and then converted many in Goa and later in Japan. And he died on his way as he was about to enter China. He's one of the patron saints of the missions, St. Francis of Sa- St. Francis Saviour. The poor man actually was dismembered after he died. So there's relics of him all over the shop. There's an arm in this place and there's part of his tongue in another place. And it's one of those weird ones that doesn't exactly give a good impression to non-Catholics, it has to be said. Now, just to note, of course, Friday is the first Friday. Saturday is the first Saturday for those that are maintaining those particular devotions. And as it is the beginning of the month, we also have the Pope's prayer intention. And the Pope's intention for December 2022 is that we pray that volunteer non-profit organizations committed to human development find people dedicated to the common good and ceaselessly seek out new paths to international cooperation. The timing of that is rather an interesting one, John, given the, mm-hmm. given the dramas in Caritas Internationales during the week. But anyway, yes. the Lord works in mysterious ways, as they say. And we won't interfere. No, we won't interfere indeed. But uh, aside from that, uh, yeah, that's what we have in terms of our liturgical odds and ends for this week. Shane. Oh, notices, John, notices to remind people. uh, The talks continue from Glenn Stahl for the Sundays. Well, not they continue. They start today, I beg your pardon, as today is the first Sunday of Advent. The talks are at 4.30 and then they're gone for about an hour. There's a tea break and then you're invited to join the monks at Glenn Stahl for Vespers. For anyone that cannot attend in person, you can listen to the talks online at the Glenn Stahl webcam. Mm And, uh, yeah, so, and if you're attending, you really should have contacted them before now or even give them a quick ring to say you're going along and uh, that you're coming so that they can put you into the teapot and add a tea bag for you. Well worth listening to. Indeed, definitely. And even if you can't attend to it today, it's, you know, for the Advent season, it's probably no harm maybe to think about doing something a little extra in terms of preparation. I think very important. Which we'll talk about Mm -hmm. in part two. So maybe that's something you could add to the list. Oh, I didn't get to it on Sunday, but maybe I might make the time to listen back sometime during the week. And that's one thing that we try to do. We try to bring resources from various uh, places, from various people, mm-hmm. various people onto the programme, so onto the podcast, so they can advise us where, where to access these resources. Talking about resources, Shane, mm-hmm. you introduced me a few years ago to this, uh, to this resource, the liturgical calendar. For two, well, it's, it's for the island, 2023. I find it a fantastic resource. Um, going through each day, and tell me the saints in some cases, but it'll, it'll tell me, the readings of the day is just one or two sentences or maybe what the gospel is about. Also got information there on uh, the liturgical odds and ends, as you would say. You'd recommend people, even about um, even about the Psalter, which week we're on and so on and so forth. Pope's intentions, all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. If people can get their, get their, get their hand on it at all, here in Ireland it's cheap enough, it's um, 12 euros. And in Ireland, the liturgical calendar is published under license to Veritas as the publishers of the Bishop's Conference. So that's generally who publishes it. Um, most religious shops will carry it at this time of the year. It's obviously one of the tools of the trade for those involved in anything liturgical. Mm-hmm. 
And even if you can't get to church, even if you can't get to Mass, but you want to know what the readings are, mm-hmm. they'll let you know what the readings are, and a short little synopsis, as I said, of what the Gospel's about. Talking about um, what's on around the place and notices and so on and so forth, just to remind listeners again, those who might be interested, um, the scriptural journey through the themes of Advent continue. well, we'll start actually, um, coming up shortly in Knox Ryan in the parish church. Friday the 2nd of, of December, 7.30 Mass, Father Eugene Duffy speaks on Vatican II, six years on. Following week, 9th of December, Trish O'Brien um, reflects on Advent, Waiting in Hope. Friday the 16th of December, Father Vincent Sherlock responding to the Christmas invitation. And the 18th of December, uh, Sunday the 18th of December, 8pm in Knock Basilica. Uh, speak of joy, uh, uh, speak of joy with loved ones with the carols of the by candlelight at Knock Basilica. That's an, at eight p.m. The event is free of charge, and attendance is first come, first served. And of course, you can access this through the Knock Shrine uh, online website. Also, the all-night vigil is a long-standing tradition at Knock Shrine, falling on the date of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And we and Knock invite us all to join with with them once again for this night of prayer. It's a significant feast day when we celebrate Mary's Immaculate Conception. The fact that Mary was, from the very first moment of her existence, without sin, chosen to be the mother of Jesus. The vigil begins with confessions at 10 p.m. until midnight on the night of Wednesday the 7th of December. The vigil will continue in the Basilica from midnight with rosy holy hour reflections and private prayer, concluding with Mass at 4 a.m. This is always a very special night when we come together to honour the Feast of the uh, of the Immaculate Conception of our Blessed Virgin Mary. The full programmes are available, will be available on the Knoxdown um, website, but the interesting thing is the vigil can be accessed, it'll be live streamed, it'll be accessed online. So that's just one more little thing there. Following our programme last week, our podcast last week, when we spoke with uh, Jane Mellet, I know that you see, and the film, um, The Letter, or the movie The Letter, just a little note there from our good friend Noreen Lynch. Uh, Noreen, of course, is based at the FCJ Spirituality um, Centre in at Spanish Point in County Clare. She just advised us that um, they're also showing the movie on December the 1st, uh, which, of course, is next Thursday, December the 1st, and then in Mary Eye sometime in January. So we'll try and bring that to your attention. But thanks again, Laureen, for just advising us that people might want to listen to it in with, with a group of people as a community rather than maybe watch it on their own on YouTube. Um, and Noreen's offering that to us uh, in Spanish Point on December the 1st. Uh, well worth listening to. Yeah. Just as well as that, John, uh, just to say, a couple of weeks ago on the programme, we had our good friend uh, David Bracken on. And David uh, was to come on to tell us about the new book that's been published of Limerick Saints and Seekers, which he is the editor of. And I had the great pleasure to be at the Dawson Centre in Limerick in St. Munchens in Corbally 
on Tuesday night for the official launch of the of the book. And I, just to promote it out there, just to say it to people, it would be a great read. It's 20, 55 different contributions ranging in history from the early early Christian saints, Christian saints right up to the 21st century. Great little read. I had it with me actually when I was away recently. So it's a nice book that you can dip in and out of. Highly recommended for people. And it was launched during the week uh, there for... Uh, um, as I said in the centre now John mentioned there in terms of Advent so just in terms of resources just to flag a few to people now obviously some of these are going to be online resources so we beg the patience of those that aren't involved with things online but just to go with us Uh, first of all uh, a non-online one which we would recommend to people actually is the Magnificat Advent Companion now, if you hadn't heard of Magnificat, it is a little monthly um, prayer resource that is published and it's available from a number of outlets. Veritas Stewart, the Irish Catholic publishers as well, are not published, but they, they, they facilitate its sale. Um, it's an interesting one. It gives a kind of a short and a, a, a short little morning and evening prayer. There's the readings of the Mass and so on and so forth in the normal monthly Magnificat that you get. But they also do uh, ones for the seasons. So they'll do one for Advent, they'll do one for Easter, and they'll do okay. one for Lent. So I got the one for Advent uh, just to just to give a little pep a pep talk for Easter and or for Lent. So that's one uh, paper resource that we can recommend. One book in particular that I would recommend for people as well this year, if you wanted to do something a little extra in terms of resources and reading for the Lenten season... We would highly recommend Waiting in Mindful Hope, Wisdom for Times of Transition by Martina Lahan Sheehan. It's a small, short book by Martina, but it's got a lot of reflective bits in it. It's only 90, it's only 96 pages long, uh, if even that, 97 pages. Uh, I When I bought it in Veritas, now granted I bought it two years ago, it was a tenner. Um, it's a nice short one. Now, the beauty of it is it's, it's, she originally wrote it with Advent in mind, but it's actually something that you could pick up and use uh, anytime, actually. She's written it from very much from the point of view of transition and wakefulness, and we'll come back to that in part two. Then, in terms of online resources, I just want to flag one or two. So, first of all, at the moment, we're still waiting for the resources to be put up on our own Diocesan of, Diocese of Limerick website. I'm told they're coming. So is Christmas, I said to the person that said it to me. Okay. So, I'm hoping they'll be coming up in the next week or two. Um, then, um, we all, one of the things, one of the sites, one of the teams that are very good in terms of online resources and putting them up, I have to say, are the Jesuits. Now, not for everyone's, not necessarily everyone's taste, but there's a lot of resources up there across a lot of their different uh, websites. So the first one is to flag Loyola Press, and they have a whole series. So it's uh, LoyolaPress.com, Loyola Press, as in uh, Ignatius of Loyola. And at the moment, they have a whole thing up for Advent, like Advent attitudes about Advent, activities, particularly for the kids. Now, I'm looking at these a lot of, particularly for parents. There's a lot of resources mm. out there for children. Um, so there's there's inspiration and prayers for Advent and Advent calendars. Advent calendars are very popular with children as well. And if you wanted something that's not, you know, um, the you know the, 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 the commercial variety of an Advent candle, but something that's a bit more realistic and linked to the fate, maybe you, these types of resources would be of help. So 
that's liolapress.com. At the same time, then, you'd also mention ignatianspirituality.com, which is a subset of Loyola Press. Now, this one might be a bit more for the adults, and it's different ways of engaging with reflecting and praying about Advent. Uh, There is a section on art and faith, for example. There's short weekly video reflections. Um, there is different uh, different ways of, of doing contemplation, reflection, and, and so on and so forth. And it's, it's, it's a nice resource there to have. CAFOD, the English, or, yeah, the English equivalent of Trokra, has uh, Advent resources for children, which might be of use. Now, obviously, very much focused on development and development of education and linking it to everything like that, but might be of help again. And they also have an example for an Advent calendar. Uh, Trocra, obviously, we'll probably be having them on at some stage over the Advent season. Of course, we'll have their Christmas gifts and so on and so forth in terms of resources on their website. Another one, Dan, is the, as I said, the, the JesuitInstitute.org has some good resources there. Reflections on the Advent wreath, uh, Advent films, uh, uh, you know, including a couple of ones that were there that we used to put up on the blog, like Advent in two minutes, like trying to explain Advent in two minutes, yeah. uh, and different different things like that. And of course, there's other links as well to the Thinking Fate website. Then, as well as that, there's also uh, so there were the main online ones in terms of recommended resources. Obviously, from a diocesan point of view, as I said, we would uh, we let you know when the Limerick ones go up. Candle, which is the Kildare and Lachlan one, and the Kerry Diocese are obviously two other diocesan websites that we would recommend for resources like that. And we'll talk a bit more about Advent in part two. So now we we'll go for our first bit of music. Our first bit of music this morning, it's sung by Liam Lawton, and this one is entitled The Clouds Vale. Come back and join us in part two, where we'll, Shane will help us to reflect a little bit more on Advent. Bye. 
Welcome back again to the second part of Comments Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And at this point of our podcast today, we'd like to maybe dip in a little bit into Advent and what it's all about, and as this is the start of it. Might be maybe a few thoughts. Shane, you might want to share with us, please. So, yes, John. So we're entering into Advent. And as we said at the top of the programme, liturgically, it is the start of the new liturgical year. And I suppose it's always this kind of time, uh, year, New Year's Advent, uh, New Year's, sorry, New Year gives us an opportunity, I suppose, to pause and reflect like we do for the civil or the secular calendar as well on the 1st of January and to ask ourselves kind of what it's all about. And the liturgy helps us in that because as you close the liturgical year, we've gone through the last couple of weeks. Anyone that's been on with us on the podcast, it's very much sombre gospel Mm -hmm. readings from St. Luke, very much focusing on preparation and waiting and so on and so forth. And that kind of theme will carry over. And we'll talk about that in part three when we're doing the first gospel uh, next in in, in part three of the Mm -hmm. podcast. But I suppose this year, um, unusually, um, as Christmas falls on a Sunday, 
uh, we once again have the joy of celebrating four solid weeks of Advent. Yes. It's not abbreviated because Christmas you know, might fall in the midweek or whatever the case might be. Mm, so it's yeah. four Sundays of Advent. And, you know, it's very much a season that has many parts to it, but it's also one which gives us a clarion call to awaken um, and to be vigilant for the presence of the Lord. And, you know, it's also, it's it's an interesting one. You know, we were talking about resources there and kind of trying to find those little things that will help us along in that journey. And if you like, keep us awake as we keep vigil. Now, Advent, of course, Adventus, coming from the Latin to be awake or to wait, uh, very much, of course, liturgically has three kind of things tied into it. So it's the it's 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 focusing on the coming of Christ, the coming of Jesus and the three comings of Christ. So the first is he came, as in 2000 years ago, he was born in Bethlehem and all of that. He is coming. That is the second coming, and we'll link to that a bit with the second, with the with the with the gospel on in in the lexio section of the podcast this morning. Mm-hmm. And then the third the third coming is Jesus comes now into our hearts. So it's very much focusing on that. And of course, there are very different things associated with the Advent season. So for some, it's a penitential season. Now it's not quite as penitential as Lent. Lent, mm-hmm. yes, definitely not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's symbolized a number of ways. But I suppose, first of all, it's only four weeks as in the in the in the Latin tradition, as opposed to nearly six weeks for Lent. Now, it depends, of course, which particular church you're in in the Latin tradition. So for if you're in uh, the city of Milan and you're following the Ambrosian rite, uh, your Lent started two weeks earlier. So you have six weeks of Lent or six weeks of Advent, I should say. Apologies. Six weeks of Advent. If you're an Eastern if you're an Orthodox Catholic, so you are in communion with Rome, but celebrating with the Divine Liturgy and the Eastern Orthodox tradition, you're actually fasting. It's not, you know, like it's mm. a it's a proper fast, like we, they do for Lent as well. And fasting in that tradition is a proper fast, John. It's no meat, it's no eggs, it's no dairy. It's not this little bit. Oh, I'll, I'll have I'll have fish on Friday instead of meat, and yeah. I'll you know I'll have a pile of Donegal catch sitting on my plate. Uh, you know, you're hungry. Um, you know, so there's different things involved. So it's very much kind of associated as a penitential season. Not necessarily, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that so much because Lent is very much focusing on 40 days in the desert and it's the preparation for Easter and it's the movement towards Calvary and so on and so forth. Whereas Advent is very much more, I, I think it's a waiting season. And for me... The image that always comes to mind with Advent is actually that of an expectant mother. And it's very much obviously linked in with Mary and her journey towards the birth of her child. And, you know, as you move through the four weeks of Advent, you know, the first week, week and a half, it's very much linked with the second coming of Christ. So that whole talk about the Son of Man and the end of the world and the parousia and all of that kind of thing. Then it moves on to John the Baptist, the herald, the call the reminder of the message, the message of waiting and the, the, the promise that was given to the people of Israel. And then as we head towards the third week of Advent and heading towards Christmas, the focus shifts to Mary and it becomes the Marian week or the Marian season. And you could describe Advent as a Marian season to a certain, like certain extent. And while purple, violet kind of is the colour of Advent or Lent, um, the proper colour that you would associate with Advent is actually more of a blue. 
uh, a deep, deeper blue rather than mm-hmm. than you know penitential purple. Violet, yeah. yeah. So it's just something. But obviously, because obviously you know not every you know churches aren't going to be able to afford to buy a complete new set of vestments. We recycle the color from from Lent to a certain extent. But it's also an opportunity for us, I suppose, liturgically to look at a couple of things. Of course, the great thing associated with Advent, of course, is the Advent wreath. Um, <laughs> Symbolized by symbolizing eternity, and I start and I finish with God, the circular, re- circular wreath with the greenery symbolizing kind of eternal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a traditional practice which has found its place in the church as well in the home. It actually started out as a devotion, a devotional practice in people's houses before it when it was brought into the church. Now it's more in Ireland in in an Irish context. The Advent wreath is very much associated with the church, that we don't have that tradition of having it necessarily in our homes. Whereas on the continent in Europe and in parts of the US, particularly where there's a Germanic or a German influence, mm. it's more traditional, it's associated with the home more than anything else. The blessing of the Advent wreath will take place generally on the first Sunday of Advent or on the evening of the Saturday before. Um, as I said, usually constructed in a circle of evergreen ban- branches with four candles. Uh, in this part of the world, the candles have particular colours. They're violet, pink and white. So uh, five candles. In On the continent, they're all the one colour. Just It just depends on the country that you're in. Um, the candles represent the four weeks of Advent and the number of candles lighted each week corresponds to the number of the current week. And the rose candle is lighted on the third Sunday of Advent, also known as Gaudate Sunday. Uh, just to remind us that you know the penitential nature of the season is almost at the end as we prepare to enter into the final furlong of the of the preparatory season, um, and it's it's an interesting one. Then of course there's there's for people that are online or whichever there are a number of blessings of the 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 Advent wreath that can be done, particularly in our homes, often led by um, you know the head of the household, whoever that might be. Uh, then as well as that. There are traditional devotions very much associated. For example, there are things called Advent Stations or the Office of the Ancestors of Jesus, uh, which goes kind of through the the, 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 the the Old Testament and is an interesting way, I suppose, to kind of link everything through because Advent is also very much a season of remembering the promises that were made to the people of Israel Mm. and Mm. the promises that were made that the Messiah would come. Now, it's an interesting one. A point that was made during the week at our Alexia group by Father Frank was the reminder to us that there is a a view in certain quarters that there was 400 years of silence between the last prophet and uh, John the Baptist. So, So 400 years where the people of Israel didn't have necessarily a direct communication uh, Mm. as they saw it with with the prophets now it's a point that's open to argument depending on the scholars the scripture scholars that you're talking to it's very much a view that might be more prevalent among our protestant neighbors because of certain arguments over what books and valid or not valid in the old testament we're not getting into that this morning Mm. but i suppose it's the symbolism of it more than anything else because john the baptist is one of the great figures of advent and he is the bridging figure between the old and the new testament and something for us to think about and to reflect on. But the season of Advent itself, I suppose, it's a reminder to us that, you know, we are pilgrim people forever on a journey of transition, always waiting in anticipation um, in that what is called that Adventist space during periods of transition. 
And I suppose we're reminded and we're called in the Advent, Advent season to cultivate a period or a moment of mindful living, um, waiting and hope, um, which, you know, but, you know, it's when we're called actually to to sometimes realize that the waiting in and of itself is a beneficial, you know, yeah. we have a tendency to rush into things mm. more than anything else. Um, you know, and it's it's sometimes it's good to stop and to pause and to wait. Like I, I was I was talking to I think it was John or someone else during the week about this. And, you know, one of the questions we were asked the other night was, how do you wait yeah. as a person if you're mm-hmm. in a queue? Are you one of these ones that's jumping up and down yeah. on one foot mm-hmm. to the other and kind of get on with it, get on with it? Or mm-hmm. I know personally, I'm not a great waiter in traffic. I'd, I'd have to put my hand up on that mm-hmm. front. But when you travel like I do, um, I, I travel with my work and I spend a lot of time in airports. Yeah. You, yeah. you learn to wait. <laughs> you have to. You have no yeah. choice. Yeah. And you learn to people watch. It's an interesting one when you're sitting watching uh, the world pass by in an airport and you're just observing what people are doing. It's always an interesting one. But I suppose that whole sense of waiting and wakefulness is something that we have to link into on this Advent season. Um, from an Irish point of view, I suppose most people of a certain vintage of probably my age and older would have learned at some stage the poem by Patrick Kavanagh hmm. and it's a great poem called Advent. And it's it goes something like, we have tasted and tested too much, lover, through a chink too wide there comes in no wonder. But here in the Advent darkened room where the dry black bread and the sugarless tea of penance will charm back the luxury of a child's soul, we return to doom the knowledge we stole but could not use. So that whole idea of, you know, again, Patrick is picking up very much on the penitential nature of Advent, you know, very much of his time, we would say. Not so much now to a certain extent, but that reminder to us to rediscover what it is to be a child, to, you know, to rediscover again, to charm back the luxury of a child's soul. And it's that idea of not being childish, but being childlike in terms of the wonder they see in everything. Like I see it myself at the moment, one of my own nephews, he's three, and the most common word out of his mouth at the moment is why. <laughs> everything is why, and you have to explain. And It's great, actually. You know, some of the best theologians I have ever met are under the age of seven. Yeah, they're listening. Because they're listening, but they also have the imagination to be able to see where God is in every single thing. And that for us, is, I suppose, is the challenge this autumn as well, is to understand and to give ourselves that opportunity to become open to the wonder in everything, rather than the pandemonium and the panic that we have in terms of Christmas. You know, if you sat and you asked yourself, well, what am I actually preparing for? You know, that's the question. Yeah. That's the question. What am I actually preparing for? Is it all about the big day and the panic? And it's like, God above almighty, really? Advent is that time, that space where we may be able to withdraw from a little of our sugar-coated culture of excess is how um, Martina Lahan Sheehan puts it in her book that we mentioned, Waiting in Mindful Hope. And some of the quotes that I'm using this morning are taken from that book, and mm-hmm. I would highly recommend it to people as well. You know, she reminds us that we tune out and so become disconnected from the fertile ground of the present moment. We're always living in the moment of what's happening next. What have I to do? What's on my list? Mm. Never that opportunity, I suppose, to sit and recognize that the good news that's waiting there for us. You know, Advent is about the story of the promise and its fulfillment. 
And if you look at it down through the ages, the Messiah, the Yah- the promises of Yahweh were given to simple people, ordinary people, people who were not full of their own importance. You know, from the likes of Abraham all the way through to John the Baptist. You know, um, and it's that idea that we have to, you know, we should, we, it, it's also a dialogue and a presentation. It's something that's available to each and every one of us, you know. Advent is that season of waiting, but also that season of hope. And if ever a world needed those two messages at the moment, particularly that message of hope, we need to be aware of. But going back to the waiting, I suppose, John, it's that idea that, you know, our heads are always on overdrive. Yeah. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. A friend uh, a friend of mine put a post up on Facebook, and it was a YouTube video of Billy Connolly talking about meditation. Yeah. <laughs> Now, not exactly something you'd associate nope. with Billy, Billy, and actually, you know, he deals with it in his usual humorous way. But you know what? It was a powerful, um, powerful little video, and I would actually recommend it to people to have a quick look at it. There mm. was a message there that he was getting across, uh, but obviously because he was Billy Connolly, there was, it was done in a humorous manner. But, you know, it's giving ourselves that opportunity so that we can kind of receive nourishment of the heart to be kind of receptive, I suppose, to the joyful moment that we live in as of now. Um, but also, I suppose, Advent is very much a season of not necessarily um, passively passing by. Do you know, do you ever have that kind of a sense of things that just you just do it for the sake of doing it or you're carried yeah. along in the wave of the moment? Whereas we look to the Gospel of Luke, Right. And and Luke's gospel has kind of the most detail in terms of the, the, the Christmas story. And if you look at the different characters that are involved, you have Zachariah and Elizabeth, you have John the Baptist, you have Mary. They're not just passive doormats. Yeah. You know, they are intentional and actively waiting for the promises of the Lord. If you think about, uh, you know, Simeon and Anna in the temple, these are people that were, you know, actively waiting, attentive to what's happening around them. And, you know, Advent presents us with that opportunity to kind of be strengthened in our ability to wait with patience and mindfulness, is how Martina describes it. I suppose the other thing, I suppose, is that we have to be able to um, recognize the role of creation in all of this, you know. And how it's such a gentle, fragile process. Like we had, we had Jane Mellett on the program last week talking about the letter and the message of mm-hmm. Laudato mm-hmm. Si and the whole thing about COP27 and all of the rest of that. And I suppose the recognition that nature is so fragile in many respects. For anyone that knows a garden, if you have plants out and you get an early frost and yeah. everything is burnt and it's gone. But also the delicacy of it. We spoke about it, Advent being a Marian season because it's the Marian season of expectancy and Marian season of pregnancy. Pregnant with waiting, pregnant with hope, pregnant with awareness. But that recognition that the Christ child grew in the womb of a young girl with no quick fix or grand entry, but a slow and fragile waiting process. You know, and it's a reminder to us that the deepest soul movements cannot be rushed, but need to be entered into gently and patiently, patiently inhabited. You know, and you know, and Advent provides us with that opportunity where we can allow ourselves to encounter the right here, the right now, rather than the right tomorrow and the day after. You know, it is a season which provides us with the opportunity to commit a holy waste of time. 
you know, that we allow ourselves to kind of emerge into beauty and love and tenderness and healing and growth and to thank God for to be able to spend time looking for those things, but also to, you know, to waste time with God. Yeah, it's, you know, we, everything is so utilitarian, so focused, so very much you must do something, you must yeah. be productive, you mm-hmm. must have an output. If I hear the term output once more, I'll scream. <laughs> and sometimes it's nice to remind ourselves that, you know, we have to, you know, inhabit a certain world, but also it doesn't have to be the world that dictates everything. Like this is no. one of the challenges that we have. We all went through COVID and everyone said things must change. And how well have things changed for you? You know, you know, it's 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 a it's a question that we should ask ourselves and ask ourselves about living more joyfully and patiently with many of life's unfinished symphonies is another great expression Mm, Martina mm. used. You know, Advent gives us that opportunity to appreciate the simplicity of it all and the beauty of it all. You know, and it's when you kind of make that empty space and keeping it uncluttered in your life, that it gives you the opportunity to be able to listen um, intentionally, you know, listening so that we can hear what it is that the Spirit is calling us to do. You know, listen and your soul will live, as Isaiah puts it in chapter 55. And it's an inten- you know, an intentional awareness, um, you know, and an opportunity for us to be able to quieten our anxieties, uh, letting go a little bit of some of the of the worries in the world that we have, and letting go of the worries by allowing ourselves to be grateful, mm. to discover and rediscover a sense of gratitude for being alive, you know, um, and allowing ourselves to be able to breathe and to listen and to create a space for a new direction in that which we do. Advent is very much, I suppose, about that kind of an opportunity for discerning to asking ourselves, who am I now? But it's not the easiest one to do. We know that it's a it's one of those busy, busy times of the year. And, you know, we need but we need to be able to allow ourselves to savor the experience of God's love um, and to be able to trust in that experience as well, which is something which isn't easy to do. We have to savor the light and the warmth of divine consolation so that we are allowed to come back and to shine ourselves out into the world. Now, those little, there's a few thoughts, John, this morning for Advent and to encourage people in it. As I said, some of those, uh, just to give proper credit for it, is taken from uh, Martina Lehan's book, Waiting in Mindful Hope. And again, as I said, it's a great little book for people to pick up and to accompany you throughout your Advent time and the Advent season. And it's something, you know, to think about, to reflect on, to consider, um, you know, just to make that space. And I suppose we have more support, I suppose, and expectation in terms of uh, in terms of Lent, John. People expect time and space and Lent to be able to do things. It's not something we carve out necessarily for ourselves from an Advent point of view. So that's just a few thoughts to start off the Advent journey this week. 
Next week, myself and John are going to share with us, share with you, I should say, um, one of the particular traditions of Advent, which, of course, is the great O antiphons, the antiphons of the uh-huh. Magnificat, which are read from the 16th to the 24th of December. So next week's um, little reflection will probably be a bit more meditative and also a bit more musical, I hope. I'm trying to find different versions of different we'll find something of the O antiphons. But just as we start out on this week's program, or this week's step, as we say, is the first Sunday of Advent we encourage you to breathe to stop to pause to catch your thoughts and recollections to find that moment to appreciate the waiting that is to come the Adventus moment in our lives to be able to move towards that grateful waiting hopeful hope filled element of Christmas because ultimately what we are celebrating is the incarnation of Christ the coming of God amongst us you know, it's massive. It's huge. Yeah. You know, the creator of the universe walked on our planet, suffered with us in terms of, forget mm. about his death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. We won't even get as far as that. Yeah. But, you know, he was a babe in the womb. He was born to a woman that could have been stoned to death for what happened to her because she was pregnant outside of marriage. She could have been cast aside by her husband. You know, they were refugees in, their, in a world and they had to flee. And... You know, all of that kind of thing. He didn't, you know, born witness to the shepherds. And we'll come to all of that as we as we approach the Christmas season. But as we approach that, we enter into the waiting of the promise, waiting for the promise of the people of God. And as we journey through the month, through the weeks of Advent, I would encourage you actually, if you have the time and the opportunity, even if it was only to read the first reading of the Mass from each day, as mm-hmm. we journey through Isaiah and Jeremiah, mm-hmm. And listen to what the prophets were there and the longing that was there that was, you know, and asking ourselves, do I have that longing in my heart? Mm-hmm. Where, I, where am I preparing myself for Advent? Where is my scope to open up that space? As we said, easier said than done. But, you know, try to carve it out. If nothing else, for your own mental health, John. Huh? Do you know, I think I, I, you brought up some beautiful points there. Thanks a lot indeed for that. Um just as, as as I was listening to you, I just noted down just a few thoughts that came to my own mind. And I like the first, actually one of the first points you made there, was taking time to listen to the message of the promises as told in the Old Testament. And you you you, you kind of connected up that a little bit towards the end when you mentioned about, and we spoke about it early on, about listening to the first reading, readings uh, of the season of Advent. It's taken from Isaiah, Jeremiah. But it's that it's that telling that story, and one of the things I think we had to um, allow ourselves—that's another word—allow ourselves to experience uh, that the the beauty of that message, the beauty of that promise, to prepare ourselves by waiting, by listening, by allowing the Holy Spirit to help us to discover that beauty, to discover the the beauty of it. But as Shane also said. Um, Lecture Divina, and we're both uh, proponents of Lecture Divina, to allow ourselves and the Holy Spirit to speak to us through those readings. So taking that, maybe one of the things we can do for this, for, you know, for this Advent, if you do have an opportunity to, to gain access to what the particular readings are, do a little bit of a lecture on it. Maybe take out your Bible. Just have a look at those few little readings each day from the first, from the Old Testament, the first reading. Just allow ourselves to, to soak it up, to listen, to wait, to prepare, and not as Shane said, to be to be running to try to get to that 
end line, which is the, the famous Christmas Day, as we always say, but to take an opportunity this year, maybe, just to allow Advent to be Advent, to give ourselves the opportunity, as we said again, to enjoy the beauty of those promises and to engage with them as we travel through these four weeks of Advent. So Shane, thanks a lot indeed for giving us those thoughts uh, to go with. Um, maybe the second piece of music we can go with today. Yeah, so I said uh, the second piece of music, the first, the second piece of music, we forgot about the first one. The second piece of music is uh, the uh, Advent Magnificat and it's being sung by Vox Hibernia.
So welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley and a big thanks again to Shane for sharing those thoughts with us uh, with the good help of our good friend Martina Lahan-Sheehan. And uh, we hope that listeners will be able to take advantage maybe of the time that we've got in Advent, maybe to pick up some of those thoughts that Shane shared with us. But in the meantime, we'll go for our lecture divina, our, Sunday, our reading of the Sunday Gospel. Prior to that, we'll invite Shane to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed or our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So the Gospel for today, the first Sunday of Advent, is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 37 to 44. Jesus said to his disciples, As it was in Noah's day, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. For in those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and taking wives, taking husbands, right up to the day Noah went into the ark. And they suspected nothing that the flood came and swept all away. It will be like this when the Son of Man comes. Then of two men in the fields, one is taken, one is left. Two men at the, two women at the millstone grinding, one is taken, one is left. So stay awake, because you do not know the day when your master is coming. You may be quite sure of this, that if the householder had known at what time of the night the burglar would come, he would have stayed awake and would not have allowed anyone to break through the wall of his house. Therefore, you too must stand ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The Gospel for this week, the first Sunday of Advent. Shane, have you got a thought you want to share, please? Yeah, so I suppose what strikes me about this, John, is that um, there's a couple of things. As I said, so we're starting out our journey with Matthew this year. And it's kind of continuing the theme that we had over the last couple of weeks, which we had from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, but also very much linking into something we were talking about in part two, which is this idea of holy waiting. And it's very much focus on waiting and trying to do it in such a, to give a way of uh, hope is the thing that comes out for me in this. Now, before I jump into the gospel, John, I just want to say there was the first and second reading. We don't normally look at them when we're given our reflection here on the Lexio part of the podcast. But I suppose there was two sentences that kind of came out of me. So the first reading is from Isaiah. And it says, you know, it has that line, Nation will not lift sword against nation. There will be no more training for war. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And then the second reading is from St. Paul to the Romans. And the line that stood out for me was, The night is almost over. It will be daylight soon. Let your armor be the be Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's very much, I suppose, putting the gospel in its hopeful context, because otherwise you could read this and you could see it as being kind of, you know, um, kind of slightly depressing, but it's also kind of regard, reminding us to not to be complacent in what we do and that it is 
intentional waiting that we have for the Lord. Now, when Matthew wrote the gospel, I suppose the early Christians thought the second coming was going to happen like the day after tomorrow kind of a job. Whereas we kind of see it a bit more um, longer term, I think is the easiest way to describe it. But the whole point of the gospel this week is we know not when it is going to happen. Yeah, the line that stood out in the gospel for me, this was stay awake because you do not know the day when your master is coming. You too must stand ready. And what that for me was a reminder very much about was the idea of us not being complacent and the fact that to be a Christian is actively to be a Christian and not just to fall into it because it's something you do. And the problem, I suppose, in Ireland is there was there we we've had a culture of that where it was almost the cultural thing was to be Christian and in particular to be Catholic. Uh, there wasn't a kind of an intentional Christianity around it. And that can be slightly, you know, the shift to that is a bit of a challenge for everyone involved. But I suppose the other thing that struck me, John, about it and looking at the whole thing about Noah and the days of the flood and all the rest of it was kind of people were eating and drinking, taking wives, taking husbands right up to the day Noah went into the ark. And that reminder to us that, you know, life goes on in its day-to-day ordinariness. Mm, mm. But at the same time, the interventions of God will come when we know not. So it's that challenge that amidst the ordinary things of life, we have to be vigilant and to live in what's, you know, the old terminology of the old catechism was the holy fear, if you like. You know, and that, you know, when it happens, it will it it will come. And I suppose for me, it's it's very much, I suppose, that idea of being aware of the present moment and our responsibility in it. Like so one thing, I suppose, um, one thing I suppose that struck me about it was there was an article in, in I don't know what newspaper it was or whatever it was during the week. And making the point that the the young generation, what they call the Generation Z now, are a generation that live in fear. Um, fear of climate change and particularly fear of the future, the fear of no jobs, the lack of homes and housing, all of that kind of thing, which is something that affects us. But the other side of it is also and the impact that's having in terms of, you know, late starting of families and, 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 and all mm-hmm. of that type of thing. But and the result of the living in that fear and that constant barrage of fear, which, you know, is um Depression. That was, they were linking it to the increase in depression and children, you know, suffering from depression and fear. And it's kind of going, really? Have we got to that stage that we're not able to remind ourselves that we must live in the present moment, live carefully, attentively in the present moment? Like the, the fears of that generation is not something to be sniffed at and it's not fear mongering that the things are going to happen. But those things we have to be able to do now so that we can live into a future and not afraid of the future, I suppose, is something. And for me, that's something that the gospel brings out, that it's just people who are going about their everyday lives. We're not saying you lock yourselves up in a monastery and all the rest of it. Life goes on. Things have to be done. The bills have to be paid, even though they might seem exorbitant bills at this moment in time. But the whole point is to have that wakefulness, attentiveness to the possibilities that we know not now, neither the hour nor the place. Shane, thank you for those few words. Today, the phrase that stands out for me in the gospel is, you too must stand ready because the Son of Man is coming at now you do not expect. So again this week, I need to ask myself, what effect has that statement had on my life? Am I like the people referred to in the time of Noah, who heard the message of 
disaster coming, but ignored Noah's warnings and continued on with their lives regardless. As we, and we know what happened with them. So I need to ask myself, am I ready or preparing to meet God when he calls me? What voice do I hear? Do I hear God's voice or the world's voice? I need to hear more of God's voice and less of the word of the culture. By listening to the word of God, giving it time to soak into my heart, will give, we'll give time for that seed, as Father Frank said, to start to grow. By allowing that seed to be nurtured, supported and welcomed, will allow the power of God's word to give me life, direction and support when I need. To help me to prepare for God's calling when I do not expect. So just as Shane said, we don't know when it's going to come. But we pray that we will be prepared and just go back to maybe what Shane said there in the second part of our um, podcast today. Listening, waiting, preparing, allowing the Lord to support us and nourish us when we need that, especially, and not to be fearful, but have have the have the promise of God always in our minds that He will never forget us. He'll always take us with us with Him. So with that, thanks a lot, Shane, for for your thoughts today. I, I enjoyed your second part, your reflection for Advent. We'll go for our final piece of music. Another one that you decided to choose for us this morning. Yeah, so it's um it's a traditional it's a traditional Advent um hymn. Um not yeah, it's a traditional one. Mightn't hear it too off commonly in this part of the world. I think it's uh it's it's the, which who's singing it? King's sorry, by the King's College Choir. And it's called Hark a Herald Voice is Calling. So next week for myself and Shane, when Shane is gonna introduce me and us to the O Antiphons. Until then, for myself and Shane, thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye-bye now.